Hey again, everyone. Welcome back to Impactic, where you hear top assistive tech innovators describe their experiences from bringing their concepts and ideas to products and services to the end users who need them. You're tuning into today's episode, Sustainable Success. We're fortunate to be back for our second episode with Steven Sutter of Creatability Inc. In the first episode, you learned about Steve and what makes his acumen unique, in addition to some of the great success that Creatability has had in improving the independence of people with disabilities. In this episode, we'll dive deeper into how Creatability's original concepts were able to translate into real products that help people. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'm your host, Mary Goldberg, from the Impact Center at the University of Pittsburgh, recording remotely from my soundproof bedroom closet. Welcome back, Steve. Thank you. It's great to be back. Excellent. We can't wait to hear more about how you get your solutions to the point where they help people. Can you please elaborate a bit on what I call your general action plan? It's actually very simple. And that is you can't start too early in meeting with your target customers. Um, You know, if you ask most people, what do you need to start a company or what are the three most important factors? be surprised how rarely you hear them list customer, having a customer that pays you listed as the top things. And it's really essential. It's, it's everything. Uh, so you, you can't learn too much uh, too early. You know, just as early as you can, get out there and try to test things out. Now, I realize that may not be in your comfort zone if you're uh, more in the I want to be correct, I want to be proper, I want to make sure I have all my ducks in a row, that then it's going to be harder to do this, but team maybe with someone who's more in the, um, I'm not saying get a used car salesman on your team, I'm just saying get someone who can really help you in meeting with customers without having everything all figured out. Uh, You can avoid that telephone game problem of here's what I think they said and then that gets translated several times by introducing your team to the customers and your customers to the team. They not only get to see that you have a pretty full bench, but you can really bring a lot of different talents from different perspectives and they really feel listened to and they open up and you can discover opportunities that otherwise you might have taken several meetings or several discussions or phone calls to get there. Um, You'll want to discover what your business case is as early as possible. And I realized in the early days, you may not have one yet. Uh, At least it's bouncing around in your head, but not on paper yet. And that's okay. But these meetings, these discussions can actually help you understand what is a qualified project for what you're thinking, uh, a qualified prospect, and what isn't? Um, you can create a PowerPoint and and sell that dream while your developers are writing software or developing hardware. You can actually have these conversations and begin these processes in parallel. So what are your typical distribution channels and how are the products getting out to the customers? 
Right. Well, the more appish than the app stores, the more uh, mixed product um, software and hardware solution, uh, the more than we would use distributors. And we try to find distributors that are doing adjacent things, such as uh, if, if they're already doing remote monitoring technology, do they need anything that might supplement that in the area of uh, interactive avatars that would give a fuller representation or understanding of the individual's needs in their home or workplace. Um, so we found that it's, it's really hard to get licensing uh, to work because the, uh, the lawyer fees chew up your profit margin pretty quickly because licensing is a, is a lower profit margin scheme. But, um, but getting distributors and partners that are engaged with your target audience already and then adding your suite or your solutions to that is really a great way to go. In lieu of licensing, then, how are your products protected? Um, and, and how, what has that process been like for you? Have there been challenges? Oh, yes. Um, so uh, you can file a provisional patent um, right away, you know, and, and get that going. That gives you one year of protection. And in that year, you have to come up with your non-provisional patent. Um, a non-provisional utility patents, though, average 28 months for the patent office to get back with you to discuss your case. So if you can survive that long uh, without it, uh, that would be a good way. There are a lot of legal fees. Um, you can find some lawyers that will partner with you that would uh, help you downstream with a percent or help you get uh, reduce legal fees if you're able to bring a variety of legal issues to them besides intellectual property. And we've done that and been very successful with that. Um, but realize that you may find that you're in a situation where the product lifespan is between three to five years. So do the math, you know, 28 months into that before you get a patent that protects you, only have a remaining uh, 24 months left or sometimes less. And uh, so that's that's challenging. Um, by then, you might be working on Rev 2.0. So while we've filed several patents and yet have yet to be, have them awarded, um, we are just basically running fast. Um, we're working on the next rev while we're selling the current rev. And so that if the competition uh, eclipses our rev 1.0, then we've already got 2.0 ready to go. And that's one way to do it. Um, you don't have to also work with all the FDA certifications all the time. You can get some counseling on that. We found that ours, because people are not making diagnostic decisions about another individual's health or wellness, that you might qualify for just being FDA registered. And so I'm understanding that is the process that, that you have taken in terms of the, the regulatory um, considerations. You at this point are just FDA registered. How would our listeners find out what path they need to go down? I'm not a lawyer and I'm not an intellectual 
property protection protection expert, but um, you know you probably know someone who knows a lot about this topic. I would consult with them and uh, really seek their counsel. Thank you. Yeah, we have found in our research at the Impact Center that engagement, especially for those folks who are within universities with tech transfer offices really on um, and making those invention disclosures has been extremely helpful in, in recommending those pathways. Yeah, they, they have their pulse, their finger on the pulse of what's happening now and uh, something that would take you a full-time job to understand, <laughs> they yes. bring that expertise. Exactly. Making sure that we have all the knowledge and expertise at the table early on seems to be really key with, with several of these processes related to innovation. Yeah, you're so right. So going back to our theme today of the sustainable success, uh, you mentioned starting early with sustainability in our first episode. This is different from how many people might think of how they should go about planning for the future in their, in their company or organization. Why did you decide to focus on this early? Well, we can all typically find six to 10 people who just really love our idea. And they're not just putting us on the back because it's our mom or dad or something, but uh, other individuals who really sincerely love the idea. But are there a hundred of those? Are there a thousand of those? Um, depending on your market, you may need 10,000 of those. No matter what funding mechanism you're currently using, self-funding, fans, friends and families and things, avoid the trap of launching your development plan too early without a good business plan that's been reviewed by experienced people. And there's a lot of people with good experience. Um, certainly Pittsburgh, you could throw a stone in any direction and hit, hit 10 of them. Uh, please don't do that. But the um, it's really amazing the wealth in each of our states of knowledge there is in a good business plan. And uh, so I can, I can guarantee very, very few things in life except this one. 90% of the time, it's gonna cost you more and ramp up more slowly than you thought. So you're gonna have cash flow issues. It's not a problem unless you didn't predict it. And that's, that's a huge problem. So you may have a lot of dollars on an annual basis flowing through your business but you may have peaks and valleys due to delayed payments or the natural cycle of new customer acquisition costs that leave you with um, starting cash flow issues. And you can lay that out early, find people that want to be part of this to be help you with that and uh, select the right funding model to help bridge those those gaps. So it's wise to obviously always be thinking about where your next dollar is going to be coming from. And so I'm curious how you go about identifying these prospects, either for larger scale funding opportunities or future customers. And um, if you could provide a little bit of background on what prospect even is and why is it important, I'm sure that that would be helpful for our listeners. Sure. <clears throat> So I have been guilty of this too, but we all try to make prospecting so complicated. You know, we can have the right 
CRM and we've got to have the right uh, campaign software for digital marketing, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> we really don't need any of that yet. We could start out by just saying, there's a pile of potential people over to my left and I need to sift through them very quickly, very efficiently and find out which ones are the keepers. You know, it's, it's kind of like getting a yes is great, of course, but no is also good. Getting a quick no is really good because some will, some want, so what? Who's next? I have a little plastic rhinoceros in front of my desk to, to remind me to be thick-skinned and handle lots of no's. And the idea is it just don't, don't overthink this. Just keep it simple. We try to make prospecting really complicated, and it's really not. Uh, the 49ers, when they were prospecting, they put tons of earth to find a few nuggets. Gold panners did the same thing. We use the motto, some will, some won't, so what? Who's next? And it's really that simple. So don't overthink it. I think this is so true and so true across the innovation ecosystem. Um, we teach an assistive technology product development course in my department at, at Pitt and we preach fail early, fail often, and that pivots in this process are truly that, right? They're a part of the process. They are to be expected. Don't feel defeated. That even those no's or the constructive criticism that you receive are so beneficial. So I'm curious how you've been able to stick to staying away from the I'll think about it um, sorts of, of folks and continue to maintain that same level of tenacity moving forward. You can actually give your, your prospect instructions. You can say, you seem like a really nice person. Now, a problem I have is that nice people say they're going to think about it when really they just meant no, because they didn't want to hurt my feelings. Could you please tell me if you don't think we're going to, going to be a good fit for you? Those kind of things can really help. I like that. Yeah. So give people permission to be less polite, for example. Yeah, that's really good. So how did you engage people and qualify these leads and determine your customers? Well, we actually started selling before we knew what we envisioned was a real good fit for people's needs. We did it with the right spirit of inquiry and investigation. And yes, um, well, I'm not saying that you can just call up anybody and say, would you meet with me? And I don't know why I'm not saying that, but if you have an understanding and you've demonstrated, you have an understanding of someone's business and you want to learn more about it and really have that spirit of wanting to help them and that's conveyed to them, they will meet with you. It, um, it may sound crazy to start that early before you've refined your business plan and clearly defined who your customer is and who your customer isn't. But we found that we derived that information pretty quickly. Uh, in other words, we started out thinking that, let's say, uh, there was a thousand customers that met our profile. And we found out pretty soon that, no, there's only 500, that that other 500 was close. We would have spent a lot of time uh, with them and never really 
resulted in a sale or an opportunity that helped them. Um, let's just focus on the 500 that are more clearly in our wheelhouse. It also helped us refine the product and the pitch pretty quickly. That makes a lot of sense. I would, I think your ability to get in front of people in our current world is likely not as easy since conferences or other in-person events are not as available. So that being said, how does prospecting look different in a virtual world? Well, people actually love to meet with you right now. A lot of people are very isolated. A lot of us work from home. A lot of us work in environments that were kind of isolated. And even if our personality profile um, is supported by that, that they, you know, we like being alone, um, many people still like having some someone reaching out to them. So I find actually that more people are open to talking than are typical. Um, I can also be a lot more efficient. Um, there's no travel time. There's no parking time. Um, nobody cares what I look like below the camera. And it just is able to um, make it more efficient. I can have quite a few meetings per day with customers. Um, yes, I still love the face-to-face -face contact. I love live conferences where they can see our passion and commitment and we can you know, see what they're thinking in their face and so on when they're not wearing a mask. But uh, it's, um, you can actually ask them for their help. Um, you can actually say, hey, I have a problem reading people when I'm not in person. Do you mind if I ask you some questions to help fill in the details along the way? And then they're, they're open to you're asking more information that helps you dig a little bit deeper about, hmm, I saw some hesitation there. Would you mind explaining that to me a little bit? Uh, giving me some idea what you're thinking, please? What I'm trying to find out is, are we a fit for you or not? And as long as they see it, that you're being sincere in being efficient with their time, um, they'll answer. That all makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can tell you chats like this really make my day and remind me how important it is to connect with others, especially those like you who are passionate about similar topics. And it's really great guidance that you gave on, on how to dig a little bit deeper with your, your customers. I'm curious what advice you have for people looking for funding or additional investors. Well, friends and family are still the number one source for startup funding. Um, many of you have discovered that the SBIR, the Small Business Innovation Research Grants, are a great funding mechanism. Uh, what's great about those is that they don't uh, take an equity position in your company and don't dilute your equity. So when you do get to the investor phase, you're starting out at 100% ownership of the idea or product. Um, Medicaid is the primary funder for the disability arena, um, but there are other sources as well. You can look at the uh, how you've improved efficiencies. Maybe your product or service helps a company or an agency uh, do things more efficiently, such as if your product or service supports remote uh, visitations or remote monitoring or some kind of remote aspects. 
uh, people don't have to travel there uh, all the time to meet one-on-one -on -one with people, which sometimes is not possible right now. I would, I would ask that you be very careful about liquidating your 401k without getting counsel. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Putting all of your eggs in, in one basket, I can imagine would be a, a pretty risky first step for those who are, are first branching out on, on their own. So it sounds like these Medicaid waivers um, are definitely something that our learners want to learn more about. Could you Absolutely, give them yes. a heads up? Yeah. Could you give them a heads up where to learn more about them? Or is there anything else you'd like to share about them? Sure. Um, Medicaid waivers are managed by each individual state, and they differ wildly from state to state. Um, there are several tech-first initiatives through a variety of states, uh, Ohio, Missouri, Arkansas, uh, etc., all have tech-first initiatives, meaning that they want to consider technology as part of the solution to the equation that they're trying to solve um, as part of the initial thought, not of afterthought. So that's that's really important. And again, um, while each state lists those rules for the Medicaid waiver on their websites, um, I have not found any one person that could give advice across the nation. It was It was so different from state to state. So pretty context specific. Well, this has been great, Steve. Again, um, what advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a path similar to yours? I'd say go for it. <clears throat> Realize most of the problems you're going to have in business are between your ears. It's not others. It's not competition. It's not the market. It's you. <laughs> and the more you write down your idea and share it with others and refine it, over different counsel, um, the better you're going to have a plan that's that's really going to grow some legs. Uh, so talk to lots of people, seek lots of white, uh, wise counsel, and, uh, and don't let fear, you know, stop you. Yes, it is scary. Um, think of there aren't too many people out there that have to earn their salary every day. If you're going to go, go do this, you'll have to do that. And it's exciting and it is scary. But I tell you, it's the best thing to really mature who you are and who you want to be is to risk it. I love it. Two words, risk it, best advice. Um, how about those who are feeling really frustrated? Maybe those who have failed with their first product or idea. What advice do you have for them? Your probability of success skyrockets if you've had a failure. <laughs> so um, as Mary talked about early, fail fast, fail early. There's nothing wrong with failure at all. No one would think about a two-year-old who's trying to walk, who fell down and shake them and say, that's it for you. You've tried and failed too many times. No more walking for you. I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? So same right. thing here. No one, no one's going to think anything about this. It, yeah, it hurts. You spend some money. 
you wasted some money perhaps, but you gained knowledge and actually your probability of success skyrockets after failures. Just learn from them. Very, very few ideas of the first version 1.0 make it. It's Rev 2.0 or 2.3.0 that there might be a blend or a remix uh, that really takes off. Awesome. I'm going to add a couple of R's then to your advice. There's the risk it, there's the remix, and there's the be resilient. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. This has been such a pleasure, Steve. Where can our listeners connect with you online? Our website is createabilityinc.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can email me directly at steve at createabilityinc.com. Or you can call me directly at area code 317-777-0356. Thanks again for joining us, Steve. On the next episode, Diverse Perspectives, you will hear from Kathy Bodine, Associate Professor at the University of Colorado about involving multiple stakeholders and industry partners. Until then, keep making a positive impact in whatever you do. Take care and stay healthy. quick note from our sponsors. Impact initiatives are being developed under a grant from the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research. Nidler is a center within the Administration for Community Living, Department of Health and Human Services. Impact initiatives do not necessarily represent the policy of Nidler, ACL, or HHS, and you should not assume endorsement by the federal government, and the same goes for the University of Pittsburgh. We'd like to thank our impactic guests and our production team at the University of Pittsburgh, Dr. Michelle Zoria from the Department of Rehab Science and Technology, Natalie Vasquez, and Dr. Marie Norman from the Idea Lab at the Institute for Clinical Research Education.